Welcome to the Comics Misremembered Podcast with your hosts Jim and John, and here's the opening music. Hey everybody, welcome back to Comics Misremembered, your comic podcast where we talk about things uh, comic and comic related. I'm one of your hosts, Jim. And I'm John. And together, uh, we're talking about comics this week, or a comic series this week. If you've been following our um, Twitter account, our uh, Facebook account, you know I posted that we're going to be talking about the the Golden Years. That's right. Comic series. And this is also podcast uh, 271. For those who would like to keep track of the podcast in the beginning of the pod- podcast. Um, but if you're a longtime listener, before we get into talking about that comic, you know what we do here. We play a piece of music. That music is related to the comic we're going to be talking about, not just in name only. Uh, and John likes to take a guess at what the name of the title is and also the artist. So I, I this is I hopefully should be a very easy This one was for a them. knock it out of the box. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, this was a, um, so that is David Bowie, of course, and uh, that would be Golden Years. That is correct on both counts. And um, I'm trying to see if, I'm trying to remember what era, like uh, what era Bowie this would be. Um, Was this 80s Bowie? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would say so. I'm trying to think because there's like, you know, David Bowie is one of those interesting, is one of those interesting characters that, and has so many different layers layers to him that it's um, some sometimes it's like it's helpful to figure out what decade Bowie you're talking about. The um, I think this might be during uh, or after his Thin White Duke stage. Yes, and if you have a Thin White Duke, you better see a medical professional. Hey, <laughs> yes. this is uh, this is uh, the last uh, you know, um, yeah. God, this was this was actually. A very creative time for him because I think he got kind of renewed by doing videos as well. Yeah, yeah, he was he was always a um, a performer of not just music, but he wanted to be a visual and uh, you know multimedia performer. Style, yeah, he was very he was you know also in terms of fashion and you know stylistically and uh, sort of sort of being a trendsetter for that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting that um, this is one of my. I think this is one of my least favorite Bowie songs from that era. I don't know what it was that sat with me poorly, but it's just it's just one of those things. I'm like, eh, you know, you know what this song reminds me of every time I hear it. Did you ever watch the Stephen King Golden Years television series? No. So it was probably like mid '80s. I I think it was on NBC. If really? it was on the network, I I, mu- I must have completely missed this. This is this is not yeah, a like this wasn't me, a big TV time. A, for a me. lot of people completely miss it. But I, I, <laughs> I knew about. I liked Stephen King at the time. I would do anything that had Stephen King right. related to it. I'm gonna definitely gonna check out. And it was like about a janitor, and um, I think his last name was Ellison because I, I keep on thinking Harlan Ellison, but mm-hmm. it, he had a different first name. The janitor, um, he's at a uh, a, uh, a lab, yes, and they're experimenting on something, kind of strange matter, and it hits him. And he is an old man; he's going to retire soon. And it hits him, and he starts becoming younger. Oh, sort of like a Benjamin Button. Yeah, so exactly, just like that. And uh, it's the, it was about him being like I think on the run, and then the the spooks, you know, the CIA chasing him to get like what's going on with him, and. They never renewed it for a second year. It only had one year. And I think, it, I don't even know if it ran the entire year. I just kept on watching saying like, when's something going to happen? Yeah. I'm waiting for something to happen. And there's a lot of exposition, but there's not a lot of action in the show. Which is why it was canceled. Yeah, which is why it was canceled. Because, the, because it's like, put it to you this way. If you manage to get Simon and Simon and Riptide for multiple seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, can you, how can you not have Golden Year? You had a, you had a very low bar. Exactly. Just, just saying. My, I used to watch both those shows. Too. Oh, no, I love both of those shows. I'm not lying. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lie about it. Those were, those were like wildly entertaining for the time. Like, like every, every show was a detective show of some yeah. kind. I mean, and you had so, like so people who are not familiar with both those titles, they were both detective shows. They were trying to be like Magnum PI, right? And it was, and it was funny because um, even like even shows that weren't supposed to be detective shows ended up being like detective shows. Like remember Lee Major, who who was originally the Six Million Dollar Man, yeah, had a show um, where he would played a stunt man, 
And in the, he and he ended up solving yeah, yeah. mysteries too. Yeah, this, it was the fall guy. Yeah, the fall guy. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's so it was, in, and of course you had like Miami Vice casting this huge shadow across yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so enough about talking about eighties detective shows and bad television pilots. <laughs> that was, but it's, but you know what? Like everything else in comics, misremembered. These are the gems that you take away because I would never have known about that show had it not been for this conversation. Exactly. Yeah, you might, and and if you're young enough, you might not even know about this song. You know, this <laughs> might be brand new to you. Uh, but I think I think people might have heard another media. But the reason I bring it up is not only does it have the kind of share the name of the golden, so the golden age is the comic we're talking about, golden yes. years, and. Um, the, one of the lines, uh, in fact, the line that I selected, uh, it says, I'll stick with you, baby, for a thousand years. Nothing's going to touch us in these golden years. And uh, that is kind of relevant without There's, being too spoilerific uh, about the comic series. And um, But just to give you all the heads up, if you've not read this comic series, it came out in 93, I believe. We are going to be, it was a four-issue series, and we're going to be talking about it. But of course, spoiler warning up front, um, because we're going to be talking about plot points, characters, maybe even revelations uh, towards yes. the end of the series. Yes, because there's no way for us to do justice for it. There's a pun in there, uh, but there's no way for us to do true justice to the series without talking about some about one of about the end events and what ha and just certain things that have happened. Right, because it is shocking for a DC comic. And we'll leave that there. So we're going to see what that means, what John's uh, teasing there. So, spoiler, if you want to read it, we highly recommend you reading it. I mean, we always talk about things that we, we liked to read. Yes, absolutely. And um, so we would recommend you read it and then come back and join our discussion about talking about the, the series because you're going to love it. It's easily bought. You can buy it through... I bought it through Amazon, but you can buy it through other alternatives like Cheap Graphic Novels is the other place that we've been buying stuff from. Yes. And um, so definitely, and then, you can, of course, digitally you can buy it. It's called the JSA Golden yes. Age if you're going to look for it. Uh, you Don't be thrown by that. When I originally read it, it was just called the Golden Age. But now they refer to it as the JSA Golden Age. I think that was more of a branding. It was, yeah, in, year, in years past. But that brings me to the next reason of why we're all of a sudden just talking about it um so if you've been watching the cw network right. you know that's where all the dc heroes have all the television shows some some much infinitely more successful than others but, exactly but we have a new we have a new entry this year yeah so we've been watching the new star girl series and um i never read the the comic series that it was based on um, but so I, but I'm enjoying it. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's, it's it's very good. And um, I, if you've been watching it, um, you know that it makes a lot of reference to Golden Age characters. Um, in it, it has a lot of Golden Age supervillains. Um, yes. The 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 uh, Injustice, Injustice Society. Society, the Injustice Society of America, which is like the Icicle and um, Dragon Guy. I forget. <laughs> I, I forget most. Brainwave. The, the, yeah, Brainwave, the Gambler, and so on and so forth, and. It, it references some of the heroes and then some of the kids on the show become those heroes, like the new interpretation of the yes. heroes, such as like Our Man, Doc Midnight, Stargirl is taking on the persona of Starman. So these are characters from the 40s and the 50s. And I'm really enjoying it. And as I was watching it, it reminded me of in the 90s, I was trying to get into DC comic book ser series. And remember, this is before the internet. This is right. before you could reach out and get any kind of information and get comic series and trades mailed to you through through a giant through computer system. Through the miracles of modern technology exactly. and supply chains. So all I had to reference was just whatever back issues I could find of things and just reading multiple titles and trying to figure out which ones I liked the most. But what always eluded me at that time... Um, uh, was the Golden Age characters. Like, yes. I had no knowledge of of the Golden Age characters. I knew barely their names because they weren't referenced a lot. In fact, after Infinite Crisis, which is when I started reading, this is day 85, mm -hmm. when I started reading it, DC was basically getting away from those characters and focusing on the new characters and then the, you know, Superman, Batman, yeah, Wonder their, Woman. their core. Their, tr their trinity. So, um... You know, I'm I'm just like, oh, who are these characters? I wish I had more information. And they did release things like the DC's Who Who Who's Who, which 
explain a little bit of it. Yes. But um, but luckily this series came up. I there was um, I know they tried to relaunch it about it like a year before they tried to relaunch the JSA, and it did well, and that went into the next um uh crisis series, which is called Zero Hour. Then we've never reviewed Zero Hour on this uh, mm-hmm. program yet, but we'll eventually get to. We're gonna get to all the infinite. We're crises. eventually gonna have so many crises. Crisis, 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 yes, whatever, whatever uh, the correct terminology is, we're gonna eventually have, we will eventually have them all. But I, I think um, this series really helped me like understand characters, what their alter egos was uh, were, were, and um, just like just a great series. It's a great introduction. So instead of having to read like two years worth of the JSA to understand everything. You could just read this one four issue set and get really a good understanding of the heroes and some of the villains, only a little, a couple. So my recommendation is if you like star girl and you like the characters on there and you want to know about about the heroes, because they don't really talk about the heroes too much. They've done that. I think this has been a very deliberate slow burn and I'm actually appreciative of it because I like the idea of of them being able to uh, incorporate the, expand the world in a way that is going to be different and also uh, provide different characters and different situations. Um, one of the things that I think people have maybe have sort of felt at a, at a at a gut level is that you don't want to get a burnout. You know, you don't want to keep incorporating Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman into everything. So this is a good anecdote. This is a good antidote to that. Yes, exactly. And so what I'll do is I'm going to run, um, like, what is the Golden Age? Who's the creative team? And then we'll go into a little history of how the Golden Age came about. Um, John's going to give us a synopsis of the story we'll be talking about. And then we're going to get right into we're talking gonna about it. We're going to jump into some, some, severe, some severe Golden Age ideas. Exactly. So the, the title of this, it's called The Golden Age. As I mentioned, it's, you can get the modern interpretation, which is JSA, The Golden Age. It originally came out in 1993 as a four-part um, Elsewhere's tale, so it's not. It wasn't considered not a canon. true, con- yeah, canon at that time. This will change it when we start talking about the history. It was released in a four-issue, 48 uh, prestige format, which is the 48 pages, no ads, uh, g- uh, glue bonded spine. Yes. So it's very nice uh, looking. It was written by James Robinson, who was relatively unknown at the time uh, in '93. Paul Smith, who was relatively known uh, as the artist, because Paul Smith, he did the the X-Men at that time, um, and this is another great exposure for him with the Golden Age. Richard Ori did the colors, and it was, of course, published by DC Comics. It had um, it did very well at, you know, I, I'm tr- I was trying to think about this. It. It's like, I don't think it's a title that a lot of people reference when they talk about, like, um, comics that they read in the past and yeah. they have an affection for. Um, and I think it kind of gets buried because, you know, most people will say like, you know, Watchmen, Dark Knight Return, so on and so forth. Right. Cra- Craven's Last Hunt, you know, Spider-Man, Craven's Last. But I think this is one of those that gets buried. And if people start to think about it, like, oh, yeah, that was like a really good Elsewhere story miniseries. So let me tell you about how this all came about. Well, in 1991, DC tried to revive the Golden Age JSA with a miniseries and regular series written by Len Strazinski, Strazuski, um, and it had uh, multiple artists. It had uh, so so uh, Len was the writer of both the miniseries and the regular series, and then we had artists like Tom Artis, uh, Rick Burchett, um, Grant Mean, and Mike Parobeck. I like Mike Parobeck. He's um, I believe he passed away, but he was a very good artist, and he could do that kind of golden age style. The regular series lasted 10 issues and then tied into the Zero Hour miniseries. The JSA founded, uh, the JSA found extant, I think I I think it was, I wrote this wrong. Um, The JSA villain extant, who was the villain of Zero Hour, um, either killed or incapacitated the majority of the JSA in that series. This leads to the reboot of the characters like Starman, Hawkman, Doctor Fate, Manhunter. So it was a, they were modernizing these all these characters. So by killing off the Golden Age regulars, they started putting the. And I remember they didn't call it Doctor Fate; it was called Fate. And it was kind of like um, you know the cable from the X X Force. Yes. You know the old man cable. Yep. It was like that. It was like he had like shoulder pads, a tattoo of an onk on his eye. 
Um, I know uh, Giffen did the art. I think he also wrote it, and people hated that. And that would be a great one if I could find if trades. We could find you, a trade I, of even, it. I think I think I have some old issues of it. I bought. Um, so they were trying to do a reboot of it. So in 1993, the only Golden Age uh, heroes that were being used were uh, Wesley Dodd, um, who was the Golden Age Sandman. And he got his own series on a Vertigo title called Sandman Mystery Theater. And that was written by Matt Wagner and Steven Seagal. And that was that was a great series, too. It basically had um, Wesley Dodd. I think Dodd, it was Seagull. Seagull? Yeah. Oh, so, 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 you know, I'm thinking of uh, you know, Yeah, I know actor. you're thinking of the actor. <laughs> Seagull, yes. And um, so let me talk about that series yes. for a little bit. That was set during the late 30s before Dodd uh, was a founding member of the Justice Society of America. The series dealt with mature themes like abortion, racism, anti-Semitism, as well as historical themes such as the rise of Nazism and international appeasement. As the series uh, progressed, Wesley encountered uh, his own adventures of other mystery men of the area, including Crimson Avenger, Starman, Black Hawk, and Our Man. In one issue, the Sandman interrogates a boxer outside of Grant's gym, and the man mentions that his name is Ted, a reference to Ted Grant, who was the original Wildcat. Uh, as a reference is made to uh, Detective Jim Corrigan, who later becomes the Spectre. And also there's a character like Doc Midnight and Dr. Charles McNair, uh, who was the physician. Who, so Charles McNider, who is Doc Midnight, who is the physician for Wesley Dodds. So it references all these characters before they become the superhero counterpart. James Robinson pitched the, an idea that added a bit of realism to the Golden Age heroes, similar to Sandman Mystery Theater, and this would become the Golden Age miniseries. The miniseries brought James a lot of acclaim and attention. His next project was to revamp the Golden Age uh, Starman character, and that was going to be Jack Knight, uh, who was the son of Golden Age uh, Starman Ted Knight. Jack's first appearance was in Zero Hour Number 1, so from the pages of that crisis. And from here, he would go on to launch a JSA comic series in 1999 with co-writer David S. Goyer. Uh, you know, Goyer's been gone, gone on to write movies. Robinson would uh, leave the book after a year, and newcomer Jeff Johns, hmm, this up-and-comer Jeff Johns, yes. would continue to co-write with Goyer. Um, Johns would credit Robinson's The Golden Age for igniting his love for the characters in it, and also his decision to accept the writing duties in for the JSA in 2000. Um, we mentioned that it's not technically canon, right? but uh, Jeff Johns takes some of that stuff that was in The Golden Age that we're going to talk about, and he makes it canon in the JSA series that came after. Later, Goya would leave the book, allowing Johns, Johns to be the sole writer. Johns would incorporate some of the real-world events in the Golden Age for the JSA. So what happened after the Golden Age? Well, the Golden Age leaves the door open to do a follow-up series called The Silver Age. In fact, it mentions that the like, final pages. There were talks about Robinson teaming up with um, artist Howard Chaikin, who would be great at a Silver Age comic. Oh, God, yeah. Um, here is a part of an interview Robinson gave on the sequel. So this is what he actually said. I've... I forget where I pulled this from. The story starts with the police um, officer, Jim Harper, who was the Golden Age uh, hero guardian, investigating a series of apparently unconnected murders. He'll confer with King Faraday and begin to realize that there is more to the murders than originally thought. The ramifications go straight through America's Cold War. Uh, cold way. Cold War. I wrote way. America Cold War government right up to the top. Um so the reason I mentioned the Cold War is because it's mixing politics. That's what this series does with, yes. we're going to talk about McCarthyism. McCarthyism. Years later, the Civil Age never came out. And James Robinson was asked about it and he gave this explanation. I was developing the Silver Age with big name artists. For one reason or another, it didn't happen. And when it, when it should have. Since then, between Mark Wade's JLA Year One and especially um, Darwin Cook's New Frontier, yes, which is which has a lot of Silver Age characters in it, the story I wanted to tell had been told by better and more talented guys than me. So that's why we never did get to see it. Boo. Boo. Because I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine that that would have been in quite the take. Most definitely. So we've been talking about the Golden Age. Well, what is this Golden Age? Well, John's going to give us a little um, explanation of what, how the story goes. I believe I pulled this from um, DC's website. Some of the greatest heroes of the 1940s, including the original Green Lantern, Adam, Hawkman, and Starman, among others, returned in this epic tale. The story follows their post-war war adventures as they battle evil in a world they fear may no longer need them. 
and the importance as their importance wanes, a new hero, Dynaman, rallies the nation behind a fascist agenda. Comic comics great uh, James Robinson, Starman, and Paul Smith, the uncanny X-Men Nexus, turn history on its head in a celebrated Elseworld Elseworld's tale featuring the Justice Society of America collecting the Golden Age one through four. Excellent. And that's it, referencing the trade, which is yeah. the collection of it. So that that's a nice read there, John. Um, and that's really all it is. Uh, we're going to start talking about the the books and characters at this yes. point. Now, how the the series begins is there are two characters in the first issue um, that we spend the most of the time. One is going to be John Chambers, whose superhero persona is Johnny Quick, um, and he's basically going to be the person who gives a lot of exposition as to what's going on in the world and why a lot of the superheroes have retired. And in fact, if you read the series, it really reminds you of um, kind of like Watchmen almost in the sense that it t- it takes place in a real world mm-hmm. with real political events and wars and the outcome of those of that war, like World War II specifically. Right. And the outcome of that war and how superheroes were and were not used during the war and how they would be used after the war. And also just a, as a as a thematic point, uh, a lot of the narration reminds me at the beginning reminds me a lot of Rorschach talking about the world that's yeah. that as it as it is exi- as it exists. You're being introduced to this comic through his through uh, his eye through Johnny's eyes. Exactly, and and the, Johnny's a great person to be the narration because um, his alter ego John Chambers, um, he's a documentarian or that's part of his job. He works for um, you know putting a doc. He he's working on putting a documentary together, and it's supposed to be about baseball. And he finds himself thinking about his friends and the people that he were, was fighting with uh, before the war, before World War II, and then what happened after World War II. And um, he thinks that that would be you know, more exciting than doing this baseball documentary. One of the things that really is fascinating about this is that it, doesn't, it, avoid, it avoids the, um, the trap, you know, sort of, or maybe, or maybe not the trap, but the, one of the central conceits of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Because right off the bat, you think to yourself, well, you know, here's the United States and they have all these heroes. I mean, this is, you know, this was a land of, you know, this, you know, we've we've witnessed, you know, the 30s and, you know, these these uh, characters rising up to stop, you know, the lawlessness and sort of, you know, establish order and bring the United States out of like, the, you know, from the depression, of, you know, from the from the roaring 20s and, you know, through guided through the depression and you know, in this unsettled time before pre, you know, before World War II, what they explained was that that through a series of events, they that Nazi Germany had had one hero and only one hero, and it was well, actually, one main hero, and the that main hero was was Percival, right? And Percival's power was to negate other superheroes' power. Right. And so what happens is you were wondering, well, you know, if America has like this, you know, stockpile of superheroes at the at the ready, why, you know, what happens? You know, why didn't they just, you know, why did they just not to go, you know, um, you know, Dr. Manhattan on, on Nazi Germany? Like they do with Vietnam. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that and the, the way that this is set up and the trauma expressed in this is brilliant. There's a there's a line about how uh, they had sent the Green Lantern and somebody um, and and uh, somebody else over to uh, help MacArthur try to take back. Was it? It, was, it wasn't Green Lantern. Who was it? No, because Green Lantern's still alive. No, no, but they. The, the, it was they, it was Jay Garrett who was the Flash. Okay, sorry. And the Ray. Okay, so yeah, they sent they sent them over, and they you know, and they they you know they were they were negated, and that's you know, and it, well, it doesn't say specifically what happened to Jay, Jay Garrett and the Ray. But it suggested that they were uh, killed by Percival yeah. because he negated their powers, and they just got killed during the war. Yeah, along with a, a majority of the force of MacArthur's, and this is it was uh, one of the first moves. They said it was in the Philippines. Yeah, and um, they didn't know this about Percival. They, they first experienced him, and they didn't know he was there. And then they and so what happens is uh, FDR basically says, yeah, uh, that. I don't want to send any more heroes getting over there because any more further loss of superheroes would be detriment to the American right. morale. Right. Exactly. So it was it was a, it was a decision based on that. And I'm sorry. It was it was um, 
Green Lantern went over to Germany and ended up and, and but got pulled back when he realized what was going on. Yeah. So that was and once again it was and so the decision to take the war and keep it at a human scale versus you know a super scale is is one of the highlights actually for me was one of the highlights of the book because it established you know because it makes everything that happens to them that much more credible. Right. With, with that being said, there was one hero which I, which you I think you will be talking about who did go over. Well, so that means that anybody who is a non-superpower that like if you're a Batman type character, a man who fights under his own ability and doesn't have any kind of superpowers but can still be considered a superpower. Yes. Those those people would still go over there. So there were two characters like that that went over there. There was a character called the America Mando. Yes. Um, his, his alter ego's name is Tex Thompson. And then there was another character called Manhunter, the original Manhunter, not the Martian Manhunter that people might think about. But there was an original character called the Manhunter, and his name was Paul Kirk. And um, Tex Thompson... No, I thought... When I was reading this, I thought the American Commando was a character that was made up specifically for the comic series. Yes. And if I come to find out that this was a real character that existed in the Golden. Like, th- that's what I loved about this book. I, I had little knowledge of any of these heroes. I, you know, Martian Manhunter, I knew who that was, but who is the original The original Manhunter? Man really? Yeah. Wait, th- that existed? That yeah. was the thing? That was the thing? <laughs> no, well, I didn't, I didn't know who these heroes were. No, exactly. Back in, ni- in 93, when I was reading this, I didn't know who Johnny Quick was, um, you know, and some of the... I, I didn't know who any of the, these characters were, really. Um, you know, I, I knew some of them, like the Atom, we're going to talk about him in a second, because mm-hmm. I read the JSA comic series that happened, so I knew the original Green Lantern... Right. Um, uh, there, but I didn't know s- some of these other characters. So the American Mando goes over there. Uh, Manhunter goes over there. Now, this is the other thing that we learn. We we learn that they went over there, and we see that Tex Thompson comes back, and he's like an American hero because he comes back at the end of the war. America has defeated uh, Nazi Germany, and now everybody's the allies are selling him. It's you know uh, v, VD Day. What was it called? VE and VE and Victory Europe, and then VJ for Victory Japan. There you go, and uh, and it had, like has those scenes where like yeah. the the sailor kissing the girl. Right, on these the iconic images yeah. of, of of the celebrations. So this is like again Paul Smith, fantastic artwork in this series, yes. um, because the way that he designs pages like that when you were just explaining. Um, the, the, it's all in, done in one splash page to explain why the superheroes didn't go over to Germany because yes. of Percival. And it's, it's, it's great explanation. It's this like little side uh, comment. And then the rest is just all the, the images of like, you know, Percival and Jay Garrett and what was happening to them. And again, this is all being told by John Chambers. Um, the other thing, though, is you, you, the other part of the story that you start learning about. So like John Chambers is the A story. And then right. there's the backup subplot of the B story, which is the uh, uh, Paul Kirk, and um, he's the Mar- he. I was going to call him the Martian Manhunter. He is the Manhunter, and he is has been chased out of Germany. Even though there was a victory in Germany, he's being chased, and he yeah, doesn't he's know. He's a fugitive. He's a fugitive. He's a fugitive, but he doesn't know what he did wrong. He has this like the mental block that occurred to him while he was fighting, and he had some kind of war trauma, like you know shell shock almost, and he has this mental block, and he doesn't know why. He's being chased. He's a hero. And I'm like, why am I being chased by these people? I come to America. I'm continually being chased. I can't settle down anywhere. But and when he goes to sleep, he has these horrible nightmares yeah. of like the eagle. like the, Yeah, the, the American symbols, the, the American symbol. eagle and being, ex, you know, being experimented on. And yeah, like, and, then, just, and then just being stabbed to death. Yes. And there's like re- these really great visuals of these nightmares these have that Paul Smith puts together. It's very, very dramatic right. and very creepy. So he's like, I, so he's constantly on the run and he and he's and, and the funny thing is, is like the more the series goes on, the more it experiences. You know, he still can't remember anything, but it's it's almost like, uh, you know, like the TV show in the movie The Fugitive. Yes. Because this is like he's just trying to – he doesn't want to be a hero anymore. He just wants to live. But every time he tries to settle down, a cop spots him. A police officer, American police officer, spots him and starts chasing him and wants him for questioning him for something. And he doesn't want to go because he knows that – he doesn't know why, but he knows he can't go with them. Because if he does, it's going to be the death of him. Right. And so that, and so that to me, became – I wanted to know what's going on. What's more about like, what is this thing? Why is he keeps being chased, right? And I think that that kind of like sells the book. 
Now, the, the other part we're talking about is John Chambers kind of explaining right. to the reader, like, what's been going on in the world. And he explain and he and he does a really he they do a really excellent job about it because it because the because this is not one of those non-judgmental sort of happy warm things yeah because one of the things that that um that Johnny's talking about is that he feels very strongly about the people who are sort of stepping away and the reason why they feel like that you know like they feel that America's changed and they're, they but he also passes some moral judgment because certain people have not been behaving the way that they were supposed to well and that's the other thing too is the um these heroes just like in watchmen um is that these are um real people yes they're not just guys that put on a costume and they mystery men that go out running around night all the all the heroes have retired pretty much um, so the Green Lantern, he no longer is Green Lantern anymore. Yes. Um, he is, uh, He's the editor of, um, GBR, what was it, GBR? Uh, well, he's the owner. Yeah. Uh, you know, of a television station. And, uh, as I mentioned, Johnny, Cha Johnny Quick, Johnny Chambers, he's a documentarian. He was married to, uh, a, a golden age hero called Li Liberty Bell. Her name is Libby Lawrence. She divorced him. Yep. Married another superpower Gordon H. hero called um, the Tarantula, who was uh, Alan. Uh, was it Alan? No, Alan Scott's the Green Lantern. That's what, that's what I can remember. So Alan Scott's the Green Lantern, and um, so Libby marries the Tarantula, and I can't remember his. I know his last name is Law, and I I, I kind of wrote these characters' names down, and then I forgot to reference them. Oh yeah, John Law. I'm sorry. Yep, John Law, and John Law is um, an author trying to put a book together about his life as a hero. And he's just not getting anywhere, and he's in this kind of like mood because he's like, I can't. I'm a hero. I should be able to write this. So if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen, <laughs> if you've ever seen uh, Jack Nicholson in a certain movie, you talking about writing the, you know, I'll work and no play. <laughs> no, I quite. wouldn't say it's it's no, not quite, quite as kidding. as murderous. But as he's, the but Chinese. no, but it's the it's the standard. It's the uh, it's it's a it's a play on the. Um, he's he's tortured. He's trying to write the, this great American novel. He's not able to. Uh, get the words out correctly. He feels, you know, he so he feels like um, he feels blocked when he should be, you know, where in in reality the the war is over. This part of the world, this part of the life has has gone on, and he should be free to be able to tell his story. Right. And the other thing is, is uh, John Chambers still has a, some relationships with the heroes. As we mentioned, he hangs, he meets with Alan Scott, um, and they talk about what's going on in their lives. Not superhero wise but personally and alan scott's talking about how he's trying to run a, a station and this is it, the late 40s and he's like i don't use the ring anymore i haven't even thought about using the ring i still keep it near me though in and case it, something happens in fact it's interesting because one because um there's a there's a great scene where he's talking about you know because uh johnny put, put, puts it out that you know of all the people who have stepped away he has the most reason to and the most the reason why he has the most reason to is that he's sort of taking the he's taking a real hit because this is the beginning of the of the uh, rise of McCarthyism. Well, that's in the fifties. Yeah, We're gonna like, get there. Yeah, and but the whole thing is that he's carrying the weight of of the responsibility for keeping on you know keeping the truth out there. Right. The other character I'll talk about before we start moving ahead to the fifties is um, Ted Knight. So Ted Knight is Starman. He has the cosmic rod um, that that he used. And Ted Knight, his real world um, experience was he worked on the Manhattan Project with Albert Einstein and the other scientists that are there to make the atomic bomb. Um, after he, they do this and they use this to, of course, you know, end the, the fight against Japan, um, he has kind of a mental breakdown. He has a, real, a realization and a mental breakdown. Yes. And he's in a sanitarium and Chambers goes and visits him. And he's, you know, he still seems like he's there, but sometimes he'll go off like in, on the end. And one of in one of the many times that he does meet up with Ted Knight, um, they're in his laboratory uh, looking out at the stars. And he says, like, you know, my cosmic staff, um, you know, what does it was it do? A cosmic rod was it do? It takes the radiation out of the stars and, you know, it, it energizes the staff this is this is they call it the, the cosmic staff i think on star girl they don't call it the cosmic rod yes uh for obvious reasons <laughs> From, yes exactly i can understand the name change and um but what he, he he realizes is that when he did that when he first invents this thing to pull down radiation that gives power that it, it happened that it, it, he couldn't contain the rate all of it and it spread across the area 
and that's how some people are superpowered and some people aren't. That's his theory in his mind is that he's the one that triggered some people to get like even good guys and bad guys alike yeah. to get superpowered. And um and I think that this kind of broke his mind a little bit because he's responsible for the good and the bad things that happen in the world and he, he just couldn't keep up with it. Well, I mean it's it's you know it's a it's a variation on Oppenheimer's um his the quote that the, the the famous quote from him where he's like I have become death watching you know watching after you know watching Trinity where he you know where they explode the first bomb um I become death destroyer of worlds that's right the Sanskrit gift, the gift is shop is on the left <laughs> exactly so and, and and I once again this is a nuance and and a level this is a nuance and a level of of uh, mature writing that was you know not necessarily you know DC was has has grown into it but at the time you know it certainly wasn't even remotely possible at the time when the original when these original stories were being told right so Tex Tom is getting back to Tex Thompson yep. a character that we mentioned a few minutes ago so of course he comes back and he's like the American hero because he you know he was there when they took when Germany got torn down and his reputation proceeds he does tours across America he's super popular he he's the only one still wearing his costume and kind of pretending to be a hero and he had gone under you know he'd gone there and he you know was just you know and he was he was basically the Captain America right you know and you know the, as representative of the red white and blue and when he returns home he's like I'm not comfortable with the you know with the, the these the, with the new threats that that are coming up from 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 the communists from the communists in Russia and China right and starts you know and He's and his. Um, it's funny because Jay hate uh, Johnny hates him, just despises him because he makes fun of him and he's got. And the thing was, he talks about his mustache. It, it, it's like this one one of the little things that I loved about those about the the running commentary is that he that they talk about you know like I say, it gets really personal in a way that I'm not used to at DC stories. Go be, you know most, some of the superhero stories being told. Um, and he talks about his his um, obvious mustache because he's got the Errol Flynn going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks like you're traditionally. So, I, I, his look kind of reminds me of what the bomber pilots used to look like in World War II with the the yeah. slick black hair and the mustache. Yeah, the pencil the pencil yeah. mustache, you know, to make you know just you know and you know the you know the classic American good looks and you know the the the, the you know and obviously willing to tr not not to necessarily trade on his on his celebrity and his you know and his patriotism but you but definitely able to use it as a as a uh, as a tool to get as a platform to move and, on to exactly. bigger and better jobs and also yeah as a, well and that's the other thing I was going to mention is so of course he's he's so popular he runs for senate yes and he wins by an ungodly amount of votes and he gets into senatorship and uh, his next play is, as you mentioned, he's talks talking about what the next threat is. Ger Nazism is over, but now there's this new Cold War that's sweeping the area, and communism. People, we might even have communists in America right now. We might have people who are our enemies in These America. right Infiltrators now. into you know from academia and and all, and the trade unions, you know, bring, filling people's heads with these ideas. Right. So that's that's the other real world thing that it starts to introduce is McCarthyism. Um, you know, Joe McCarthy, uh, Senator Joe McCarthy. Yeah, he was he was a man. And also the the other thing they mention is the um, committee for un-American affairs. Yes, that was his committee. That was the yeah. The that was House, a real life the House committee for un-American activity. Right, and that was a real life thing as well. That yes. wasn't just something invented for the comic series. Yeah, the Army McCarthy hearings are mm -hmm. are should be um, mandatory. Should be should have been mandatory in your education. And if you haven't if you haven't read them and read about them, it's sort of imperative that you know it's sort of be an imperative to to expose yourself to them now because a lot of the terms that we're throwing around right now in terms of political discourse harken back to the roots you know harken back to what happened during army you know during the the, the mccarthy hearings and it's an interesting um it's an interesting period of time to be alive and to see you know and it's also another reason why i was so gr glad to re read and review this well and that's what i'm talking about so the so the other thing that brings up is you know if you if you're not familiar with mccarthyism and what was going on you know what would happen is people could be called somebody could turn somebody in saying that they are communist right and that person would without even getting any kind of trial or anything would immediately be put on something called a blacklist yes and that list would bar you from getting any kind of employment so especially 
Um, this is where it ties into to, um, Green Lantern's story because he's the head of a TV show. He's trying to write shows, and there's people that that they're like, "Well, we we don't." He's like, "How come the script isn't as funny as it used to be?" And the guys are saying, "Well, some of the guys are blacklisted, and we can't use them." And they, they, and he's like, "Black, get those guys back in it. Get them to write that script. I'm going to stand up for them in court. Tell them I trust them enough that you know I don't care if they're communists. I just know that they're good." guys are good americans and they you know and the show needs them and so he stands up for the rights of others whereas not everybody's going to have that luxury of doing such a thing he's doing in sort of an inverse spartacus yeah at this point where where you know where once again they took people who were off the you know a lot of the people who were being accused um there was a there was a huge amount of anti-semitism involved in in, in mccarthyism especially it was it was and once again it was directed at uh the intelligentsia you know the entertainment industry especially the uh, the the part owned by uh, the, the part that was um, that was the, 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 that was run by the people of Jewish descent, um, and um, and uh, and, so, and like I said, the labor unions also too were you know kind of smeared. And you could be and once again, what you said was really critical and a critical point to to make was that the person who was being accused didn't have to prove the did, the person who did the accusing didn't have to right. give any evidence it was the 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 burden of proof came to the person who was being charged yeah they had, they had to prove that they weren't the right. communists so it's not like it's just know, like it's just like oh he's an american until he until we prove he's a communist no he's a communist until, until he, he, he can prove to us exactly. he's an american and it was also and it also it also came back into a lot of the you know a lot of it was the um the, the conservative moralistic part of it, which was, you know, that some of these things were risque and, you know, pushing the envelope. And it's interesting that comics of that time were also being influenced, too, because they had the um, they had the censorship board that was, you know, which, which would determine whether or not some of these com the, the, the very topics that we're talking about right now would even make it to, into the comics. Yeah, that would come out later because like after after the 50s and kind of like all that really kind of Republican driven legislation and you would have the comics code and all that other great stuff that would come out of that. Um, you know, how, how, how useful is the comics code? Oh yeah. Um, but enough about real world subjects. Let's yeah. talk, let's talk about more about the superheroes out of here. So we, we're introduced to other characters through the series too, with brief kind of uh, interludes. Like there's a scene where, um, Alan Scott, who's green lantern, but he's always Alan Scott Alan Scott um, hears that there's a robbery happening across the street from his building, so he knows that cops are not going to get there in time. So he goes down there, and instead of using his ring, he's going to just use his own, mm -hmm. you know, skills that he's accumulated over the years. And he fights a character called the Sportsmaster. Yes, which again is a character I didn't know. He's a villain, of course. And Sportsmaster is robbing a jewel store, and um, you know, he's known for being super athletic. That's why he's called the Sportsmaster. And um, but he has a gun and. You know, Alan Scott's like, I'm determined not to use my ring. I'm just going to take him up one on one. And Sportsmaster shoots him. Right, because he's like, I can't beat him fairly. Yeah. And, but, but because he doesn't kill him, Alan Scott then has the opportunity of, you know, overpowering him, knocking him out. And Sportsmaster gets away, but he doesn't get the jewels. Right. And the thing was that he, the, that it was kind of sad because he was looking for like a, for like his wedding ring. Yeah. Well, he, he was trying to get money. So, because he's broken up with his uh, old lady. Yeah. And um, and he wants to see his daughter, and he thinks that the money would help with the whole thing. And now that's been foiled because of Alan Scott. What's really interesting, is, and, and this was the point that I I got sidetracked on, and I'm sorry about it. Was what's really what's really amazing about Alan Scott was that he meant when he talks about his relationship with the ring, he he's ta he mentions the word the D word divorce, divorce, yeah, which was at that time like you know like one Verboten. of the pro hidden prohibited words. Yep. The other the character that I um I learned about that you know I didn't even. I, now rereading it, I forgot that he existed, and I didn't know he existed when I read it the first time. Um, there's a character called Captain Triumph, and yeah. the character is made up of two characters. So it's Lance Gallant and his brother, his brother who's dead. I forget what the brother's name. Like let's say his name's Bob. I can't remember what his name is. And what would happen is, in order for him, he would have to just like Firestorm, where two people would merge together become yeah. to become Firestorm. So Lance Gallant. Would has a, a ghost brother who hangs around him and only he can see and talk to, oh, and yeah. and he says if he touches his births his birthmark birthmark yep as if he touches his birthmark and then that will allow his, his ghost to come in and then they form together and make this character um, Captain Triumph, and he never does it because he's like look I'm not Captain I'm not doing superheroes anymore yeah and his brother's like come on man I need to do something I just got nothing I'm just dead I need to do something with my life. 
He's like, your, your <laughs> life's over. I, I, I got need my to do own something life with my afterlife. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, and the reason I bring this up is because that character, um, you know, as Gallant, not as, Cap- as Captain Triumph, but as, as the alter ego, he meets um, a woman who he thinks is super beautiful, but the woman's like, doesn't really care about him, has yeah. no, nothing want to do with And she turns out to be, I'm t- trying to, like, I wrote the names down to characters. And the, uh, she's Paula Brooks. And she turns out to be Tigress, which is another kind of like a cat woman. Um, she's a, a burglar, breaks into things, um, low key, doesn't hurt anybody, just likes to steal yeah. things and then travel. She's into, a femme fatale. Femme fatale, most definitely. Um, so she meets him and she's, and he has made a lot of money. Gallant has made a lot of money in the oil industry. And so she sees him as like kind of being a fun for a weekend with his money, but then kind of like, you know, yeah, she, did, she mentions him. it's like, he's good for a Palm spring weekend. Yes. You exactly. Know? It's like, which was at that time, the playground of the rich and powerful. Now the, uh, so just, it, it introduces all these different characters in different ways. And it's really f- funny. The, but the other thing we're talking about is to, going back to Tex Thompson. He's yes. going to be basically kind of the driving force of, um, you know, the, the, what is all that's bad in America of like, you know, he heads um, McCarthyism. He heads um, the Committee of Un-American Affairs. He also heads a superhero program where he wants to build a fighting force to fight communism in the streets. And he starts uh, recruiting any kind of superheroes that will get here. And one of the characters he recruits is Robot Man, but not Cliff Steele, who you might, if you're watching Doom Patrol, you right. know, that's a, who you know was Robot Man. But no, this is a, there was a Robot Man before that Roman Man. There was a Golden Age Robot Man, Richard Crane, I think his name is. Um, yes. Bob Crane, right? Robert Crane. Robert Crane. And uh, that was, you know, it was funny. I Again, I forgot about this character after I read it in 93, and I kind of did a little bit of research on him. And it was a character that was written, I think Spiegel, you know, one of the guys that created uh, Superman creates this character. And um, he was supposed to be kind of like a um, a detective, you know. But he's a robot. He he gets he gets murdered. His brain gets transferred into a robot body, and then he yes. tries to go f- solve his own murder. And one of the stories was about you know him wanting to become be declared as human, like is is, and he goes to have a court to say like, even though I'm in a robot body, I should be declared a human being. Right. I'm like that was pretty deep for like a 1945 comic that. series. Um, and I, I don't know how that turned out. It was just like a blurb that I read while I was going through it. But I think, you know, that would be... That, like, that would be is, fantastic. It'd be f- fantastic if I could find it and read it. Yeah. But um, but in this series, he's basically... He's been in the robot body for so long that he's lost touch with his own humanity. So every time he um, you see him, he's just beating the crap out of, like, yeah, crooks. He, and he's, like, killing them at the end, you know? He just doesn't even care about them. He's, like, breaks them in two and... Leaves them all ragged and disheveled. So Tex Thompson's team is Robot Man, the Atom, Johnny Thunder, and Dan the Dynamite, who would become Dynaman. Dynaman. So D- D- Dynamite was the sidekick to an actual character called TNT. Right. Um, I don't know much about these Golden Age characters, but I just know that their names are. And it turns out that um, Dan, who's uh, Dynam- Dynamite, the, the sidekick. Dyna. Might Dinah might well, um, he is actually has uh, they do a test to him. So, they Al Pratt, who's the Adam, he actually has superpowers, he, right. he has he's actually super strength. So, they run a battery test on him to determine how did he how does his body get superpower, yeah. right? And from that, they then can now identify people who are non superpowered and see if they can try to make them into superpowers and dynamite. dynamite is one of those people, the genetic coded that can absorb. So you know how they, did you see how they, oh, yeah, they, 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 made they, they what they did is they put him in a capsule and exploded a nuke, a nuke on him, <laughs> which is a, just like, um, okay, this is just really just next well, level. <laughs> what's funny is, is it's the origin story for uh, captain Adam. If you've ever read the original yeah. origin, he was a, um, he was a criminal in the future. And they said, we'll take you, we'll take some time off your uh, sentence. If you do this experiment, will we explode a bomb on you? And it has this kind of a silver metal that they put him in. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. So they detonate a bomb on him. And that and the special metal that they use knocks him back in time. So he he's in the past before he was born. And now he's like, he's got superpowers because he's got hey. the explosion. So he becomes a superhero instead of being a jerk 
Yeah, because you because you saw what happened doing if if you know, and it's like, well, if you had a chance to rewrite the future and you had superpowers, what you know, why wouldn't you? Right, exactly. So, um, he, he they did detonate a bomb on him. He comes out of the capsule and he's like, wow, he's like superpower. So what you find out through the story is, um, not only does he have super strength now and he's dying a man, yes, but he has nigh invulnerability. Yes. Like it pretty much the more I think the more you hit him, the it's almost like the Hulk. Like the more you beat on him, the more he becomes um, invincible. So he becomes the face because he's like the Superman. Right. They, they don't have Superman. They don't reference Superman at all or Batman or Wonder Woman at all in the story, which is fine, you know, because that's what, what it should be. Right. The other funny thing is they don't reference um, Shazam. Maybe there was, there was something going on with the rights yeah, to Shazam I was gonna at that say, point. Maybe it's because of, maybe because of who, who owned the, uh, who owned the, the rights. Exactly. I don't know. But the they got the majority of the Golden Age people in there. And, and as time goes on... Um, you know, it, it, there's this one scene which is kind of like um, foreshadowing about what's going to happen. And it has um, Tex Thompson's at his house and he's talking to the now superpowered Dinah Man. The Dinah Man is sitting on like the couch and he's doing lines of coke, yeah. <laughs> which it looks like lines of coke. And they're talking about um, how he's going to now run for president because now it's like it's getting to be 1956, 1958. Yep. And he's. You know, of course, politically, everybody knows who he is. And he's like, there's going to be no way that I won't get the nomination and won't be elected president. And he goes, and once that happens, I'm going to be the most powerful man in the world. And Dynaman, after he does the line, he says to him, we're we're going to be the most powerful men in the world. That's right. And he has a little smile on his face. I think this is like at the end of the second or third issue. Kind of build. No, it must have been this. I think it's the second issue because the third issue is all about the origin of um, what happened to Manhunter. Manhunter. Right. Okay. So we're, we're like down to the last ten minutes of this podcast at the, at this point. So we're gonna spoil. Yes, we got because because gotta... you got to hear what what man. We're not gonna spoil everything, but we're gonna spoil why the Manhunter is like super crazy. Um. So. He he meets a friend on the run, and one of the, the friend is um, I know his name is oh yeah Bob Daly, who was was a character kind of a sidekick character called Fat Man, but he lost a lot of weight, so he looks good. And he meets him at a, a grocery store, and he and he's like he's like Paul, what happened to you? He's like oh I can't remember anything. And it's like it's like I'm always on the run. I'm I've, I'm working at this gas station now. Everything's all right. He's like no, no come on, you're gonna come with me. And um, so he takes him in his car, and then the, this G men are after him still, and he's like there's this whole action sequence which is awesome where he's like on a on a kind of like a covered bridge yep. and they're shooting at him and he doesn't want paul bob the fat man cat character to to get killed exactly so he jumps out of the car runs on the bridge jumps through the bridge smashes through the windows knocks the g-man out this is a fantastically drawn Absolutely. action sequence and and the rest of the, the series is about him and trying to and at the same time there's this other mystery that's kind of unfolding because both of these stories intersect and they come to the conclusion of like what's going on. The other side of it is um, Chambers is um, meeting with other people and uh, Paul Thompson or Tex Thompson, you know, who's going to be running for president right. soon. He's married to another superhero uh, or an ex superhero character called Miss America. Like he was Mr. America. She's Mrs. America. Right. And she's um, and she notices that Tex Thompson is always writing in a diary anybody locks the diary and like everything that he's ever written she's she never seen it but he's very secretive and as time goes on he's becoming kind of cold kind of colder and yeah more, you know and it's and there's a there's a great line about it you know it's like his eyes are cold and i think he hates me mm-hmm. and he's like you know and she's like well i i want to read i want to read you know i, I want to read it but i don't but because it, but you know to question him is un-american right and i just that i just that line just resonated i right. was just like so but but she's friends with paula brooks who's the, yes. the tigress and she's a jewel thief. So they hash it out that you get me the book. I'll open it up and let's see what's really going on in that diary of his. So they do that. Now at the same time, as I mentioned, uh, Kirk, is, you know, Manhunter is, has been kind of saved by uh, Bob Daly and um, Bob's trying to figure out like, you know, what's this mental block that he has. So they, um, they know of uh, another ex superhero, uh, Hector Hall, I think that's his name. He, he, he's the um the he's the Hawkman. Well, used yes, to be Hawk Carter Man. Hall. Carter Hall. Yeah, I, I can't couldn't remember. There's so many superhero names I can't remember sometimes. Carter Hall, 
And he says, well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, with my experience of being a superhero, I've learned um, to hypnotize people. So maybe through hypnosis, we can release this block that he yeah, has. It's also his way of past life regression. Exactly. So he uses it on um, Paul Kirk. And so he hypnotizes him and then he starts remembering. The, the block becomes vivid. And now he, he's like, it was me and Tex Thompson. And we were going after this um, the, the, this castle or something like that. I forget the name of the castle. And that they're, um, they, he, he's looking into the castle and he sees that there was a, a woman. And the woman was like a well-known um, actress that disappeared. And he sees that the woman's being experimented on. And she has her head being cut open. And he's like, what's this? And the brain's being taken out. And then he says, like, I lost, you know, before we got to the castle, I lost Tex Thompson. I don't know where Tex Thompson is. But then he sees Tex Thompson on the table and his head being split, cut yep. open and that brain being implanted into Tex Thompson's head. And he goes, wait a minute, what's it? And then, so what it re reveals is that Tex Thompson, the brain that is being implanted into Tex Thompson's head is actually the brain of the super villain called the Ultra Humanite. Yes. Which was, uh, in, if you've never heard of him, don't worry. He rarely ever gets used in any uh, comics anymore. Um, I think he maybe has a plot line. I thought I heard, I, I thought I was watching a comic review series, which they were using the Ultra, Human, Ultra Humanite in. But he was originally invented um, by uh, Siegel and Schuster for Superman as being the original villain against Superman. And he was like a guy that wanted to rule the world. He's just like, yes. that was his motivation when he woke up in the morning. Is I'm going to rule the world. So, you know, it's like he t he, he gargled Genghis Khan and then put in a little splash of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and, but here's, and here's the funny thing. He was a man who was in a wheelchair. He had a partially bald head. And um, and he was super smart, super intelligent. Now, what does that kind of remind you of? Mm, Lex Luthor? Right. So Lex Luthor would go on to become the main villain. Like he's been, he used like in the first year of Superman. And then after that, he kind of, I think he gets killed or disappears or something. And then Lex Luthor makes an appearance and then he gets used as kind of the arch nemesis to Superman there. So you never hear about this character, but he's being used here. And so his brain gets to be put into Tex Thompson and then um, Kirk, Kirk, Paul Kirk makes a noise on the outside, and then Tex Thompson sees him, and he still is in the, the garb with the, the crane on his head that holds his brain in. And he's like, he's got this giant smile, and his eyes are open. It almost reminds me of the end of uh, Clockwork Orange, where yeah. he's got the eye opener, yep. and he's like, and he's like, this really oh, scary smile. And he takes his gun, and he starts shooting at him. And so this is why he has the block. He can't believe that, because this is his best friend. Right. They were, they were compadres before the war. And they would fight together, and now this man is his enemy. And but it's not it's not Tex Thompson; yeah, it's, not, it's something else. It's yeah. a, it's the Ultra Humanite, which is a great name anyway. And uh, and so now he knows that the man who is going to be running for president is actually a man who wants to take over the world. Right. But there's another wrinkle. Well, I was I wasn't going to really bring that oh, up. Okay. So we get we're getting kind of close in. Okay. But there is another layer. Yes. Uh, to this. And uh, there's a big giant reveal in the fourth issue. So what happens is at the same time that Paul Kirk has this um, kind of push through the, uh, this breakthrough about Tex Thompson being the ultra humanite, his they wife gets the gets the journal, gets the journal. She reads it and they figure it out. So it's just like Alan Scott, uh, Green Lantern, John uh, Chambers, Johnny Quick, who Johnny Quick, if you don't know who he is, he's kind of like got speed powers. He says a magical phrase and right. he gets speed powers. Well, he uses math to, to, to engage. It's a mathematical phrase. Yeah, a mathematical formula that it gives him, that uh, that if you say says it, cre creates speed, which is awesome. Yeah, which is, you know, why not? This is the golden age. And uh, Miss America and also then um, the Tigress. And so Miss America has to go back with this knowledge that her husband is actually this mega villain and she has to stay that way until they can figure out a plan to reveal him. So they all want, and the, the, the other side story that I didn't even get to, and I can't really get to it at this point, is Our Man. About Our Man is a guy who takes this pill called Miracle, and once he takes it, he gets superpowers for an hour. He can get super strength, super speed, and what he's been doing is trying to get more than an hour out of it. Yes. And it turns him into an addict of taking the pill. And now he's dealing with kind of like withdrawal symptoms because he's trying to get off the sauce. and uh, But they need him 
because what they're going to do is uh, Tex Thompson's going to have a committee hearing uh, to reveal his new superpower team, which is going to be the push for his presidential election. Yes. And then they decide this is where we're going to make our state. We're going to hijack it and we're going right. to we're going to. We're going to expose the. We're going to expose him and bring the truth to the people. We're going to do it on television, and then all hell breaks loose. Right. Then there's, there's a, you know there's a giant battle, and um, because the, the the they do they make the reveal in front of everybody, but there's a giant battle that happens. I don't want to say any more. I don't want to spoil too right. much more further at this point. But there was a spoiler that I brought out at the beginning, so I will just and I will I and I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it ominously vague. Yes. One of the things that is great about this story is also is that it does have a shock value even now. Yeah. And I think that in context, this is one of the one of the things that actually worked out amazingly well. Um was that the there was a certain effect of of all of these sins in you know being resolved. And certain people have played certain roles in this. And it is an amazing unwinding at the end where, you know, where you have all of these, these interpersonal struggles coming together and form and, and resolving. And the end of it is uh, just, like I said, probably one of the, one of the more, more um, shocking, but satisfying endings that I, I didn't, I well, saw, I saw some of it coming, but not all of it. It just kind of is like, well, the was, scale of it is just uh, something else. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, so it's shocking that because I don't know who the, I didn't know who the ultra human knight was when I read this originally back in ninety two or ninety three, and um, I I remember that being one of the reveals when I was rereading it. Yeah, but I totally forgot about the other part. Yeah, so rereading it, it still was kind of like, oh yeah, that's it was shocking when I first read it, and then I was like, oh yeah, that that's what happened. I could I forgot that yeah. that happened. Um, so. That's why we want to leave it, leave it vague because it is a big kind of shocking reveal um, uh, about the, the comic series. And so that's why we're saying we highly recommend it because yes. not only will you learn a lot about these Golden Age characters that you probably, like I did, I had no knowledge. Like, how about yeah. yourself? Is Zero. It, this is your first time reading, exactly. right? Yeah, this, this, and this is also one of my, my first forays into that part of the uh, DC universe. Yeah. So, uh, so as, as a... Um, as somebody who is uh, not necessarily was not necessarily somebody who you know even had this on their radar, it's now on my radar. It's now on my radar. Da, 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 da. Shockingly enough, like the, that that kind of shocking. That kind of shocking. Ah, yes. The dramatic M- music shopping. <laughs> yes. The right. So that's and that's the reason why I bring it up because I think it, it is one of those books that you know there are a lot of great comics to read. A lot of great comics that um, kind of mingle real-world politics and history yeah. with comic book stories. And I do, you know, I talk a little bit about the parallel between Watchmen and um, the Golden Age. And I don't want you to think, like, it's a watered-down version or anything no, like that. No, not at all. These two, they're two totally different stories, and they both stand up on their own. Watchmen's Watchmen, the Golden Age is the Golden Age. And... But the, the 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 good thing about the Golden Age is it uses the real Golden Age heroes. Like, unfortunately, Alan Moore couldn't get the uh, access yes. to the Charlton characters, but Ro- James Robinson uh, was able to get access to the DC uh, heroes and did and did honors to them. I think that's oh, yeah, most the, I think that was I think that's the other thing. This wasn't this wasn't a uh, just a, like some random homage. This was a, this was a well thought out, well executed. Uh, just a very satisfying story. It's a great mystery play. Yes. Kind of. It's, it's like a great drama, great mystery, great reveal. Um, it all makes sense. I, you know, as you were mentioning in the beginning, I love the way that they explain why the superheroes didn't get involved in World War II. Yep. I, it kind of explains why they didn't want to be heroes anymore. Right. Because of the world has changed since after the war. And then from there, it sets up everything. Like all the dominoes start falling, and it all, and you you see it coming. Like you see, yeah, the, you know the, something's the, happening. happening. And then when it gets revealed, there's this fantastic reveal. So highly recommend buying uh, this. Uh, you know, this got James Robinson, um, this and Starman, of course, uh, got him noticed here in America. He was you know writing over in England at the time. And this kind of propelled his career forward. And of course, Paul Smith was awesome to begin yes. with. But he's still awesome. He's he's doing this fantastic. And I can't say enough about the artwork in this comic series. 
Um, even the color, I love the colors too. Yes. The only, my only problem is, and then this might just have been with the reprint of the trade, but there's some thought bubbles that are really dark blue. Yeah. And the black words on the, you know, the black words on the dark blue, it's hard to read sometimes. I had to kind of lift it to the light. <laughs> yeah, that was to the... read. It doesn't happen too often, but that might just be the trade. I think in the original um, issues, it's not like that. I think it's just something with the transfer to. to I be think a it trade. was. I think it just. I, I hate saying it. It's one of those things that is a color saturation error. Yeah, where, exactly. Where, um, remember we had where we were talking about that. Um, with um, and drawing a drawing a blank. We 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 talked about it with you know about the computers uh, auto correcting people's color. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how that can just totally go wrong. I have a feeling that that was one of those. Just oh, mo- you're talking about Dan Brereton. Dan Brereton. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we would. We were talking about that because we were saying he does all his original. He doesn't use a computer for anything, right. um, for his artwork, and he does everything uh, painted. And that is a you know sometimes telling, is a great thing. And he told us the story about how he um, he he where he where he got back a, a like a test print and they had color corrected it. Right. <laughs> that was that that was a great that was a great. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, listen to that interview. It's a great podcast. We have, yeah, we have two podcasts with Dan, and he's fantastic in both of those. Um, so listen to that as well. But go ahead, buy the Golden Age, uh, listen to this, read it, listen to this podcast, and then you'll understand what we're talking about with that fantastic ending. Well, thanks for listening. Um, as always, go to Comics Misremembered for all of our podcasts. Go there to get the links to our social media. Sign up for the social media. And the other thing that you can do, too, if you want, is um, if you listen to our podcast through... Like let's say Apple, uh, you know Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts because we're on all of those things. Feel free to give a review. Say if you like Please. it. Say if you like it. Say if you don't like it. The more reviews that get out there, good or bad, the more than the word gets spread. And then we hope you know we want to get as as many people listening to the podcast as possible because uh, we want more interactivity. We want more people. We want to get more ideas about what do you want to li- what would you like to us right. to talk about we're talking about the things that we want to talk about and it's been working out for us and absolutely and we would love to be able to take you know to sync our skills and and uh, talent and uh, random observations into something that you feel as passionately about as we have the uh, as the material we've brought forward to you right exactly so we you know we want to make this interactive we want you to give us feedback too because we would love to hear your ideas about like what's a book that we should cover or maybe like a lesser known book or something because you might say to yourself surprise oh, no, us nobody has ever heard of this book and we'll be like oh yeah i have oh, that wait a second yeah i can <laughs> read be that shocked yes exactly <laughs> so we, you, uh, we we definitely look forward to um uh, feedback on that but thanks again for listening this week and as always we will see you in seven <laughs>